Hello everybody, welcome back to a new episode of the Long Jump Podcast. My name is Peter, as you know, your host for all episodes. And today's topic is climbing in the broadest sense of the word. My guest for this episode is Pete Whitaker, who is generally considered one of the world's best crack climbers. And crack climbing is pretty much the opposite of your regular bouldering. Instead of holding it, you're jamming your hand into a crack and getting grip that way. Besides being a climber and adventurer, Pete is also a YouTuber, which is uh, initially how I found him. He's also an entrepreneur, he runs a climbing company called White Boys, uh, so you can imagine there is actually quite a lot to cover in this episode. So let's get right to it. Here is Pete Whitaker. Pete Whitaker, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Cheers thank you very me. much for being here. You are a professional climber, which is super exciting because my, uh, like I told you, my son is into climbing and that's how we actually found you on the YouTubes, uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, for people that don't know you, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so I'm, I'm Pete Whitaker. I'm a professional climber. I guess you could say my passion in climbing is adventure trad climbing, crack climbing, um, like, yeah, outdoor style of climbing. And I kind of, these days, I, I mix my time between um, running a climbing business and being like a professional climber on the rocks, I would say. Okay. I'm kind of I'm kind of split halfway these days. Yeah. We'll get to the business in a second, but you climbing is all you do. You don't have like an office job next to it. Apart from the business, yeah, yeah, fair <laughs> but, enough. Uh, there, but, there's but, office work involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, climbing is what I do. Yeah, it's what you do. Sure. Yeah, you're from 1991. A quick Google search told me, uh, which makes you 30. How did you get into climbing? So I got into climbing through my parents, uh, actually a pretty young age. Um, and I would say it wasn't really climbing to start with. It was more just like being in the outdoors, you know, okay. so like uh, walking and scrambling, gully, gorge type scrambling that, you know, that kind of stuff, like being in the hills, being in the mountains. Um, I always remember from sort of like the age of six or seven going on like walking and scrambling type holidays with my parents. And then probably from the age of like seven or eight, um, we did more like what you would class as actual climbing. So maybe with some, you know, ropes, small crags. Um, and Just then climbing class. up onto a wall. Yeah, yeah, more, more like what you would class like on rock. Yeah. yeah. Whereas before it was more like- Mountaineering? You know, yeah, not mountaineering, but just like, yeah, especially not when I was six, <laughs> but like, <laughs> Fair enough. you know, just, just like walking and scrambling and, you know, you might do a bit of walking, holding some rocks, easy climbing yeah, yeah. type thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that kind of stuff. We call it scrambling in this country. Um, and then, yeah, from like se seven or eight, uh, my parents kind of started taking me a little bit more indoors as well, um, as well as climbing uh, outdoors on some of the local crags around here. Okay. Um, and then I think at age eight, I did my first like local indoor climbing competition. Um, How were the facilities back then? Because that's 25 years ago almost. Yeah, so it's a long time ago. Um, we had two climbing walls in Sheffield where, where I live. Yeah, so, so it was okay. Um, so I, I mean, Sheffield always has been good for facilities with climbing. It's kind of like the it's one of the world's renowned spots for breeding climbers, I think, Sheffield. Nice. <laughs> uh, and like n now we have uh, even more like modern walls and, and stuff like that. So, um, 
yeah and, and and back then there was there was a there was a couple of walls and and i think they were really good walls for the time as well cool and obviously you were um interested in it but were you also good at it right away uh, i was just about to say actually when i did my first competition uh and i was eight i think i was i think i came like second last in in my region or something so in like the sheffield area you know uh, i did like competition and i think it was ages um seven to nine year olds okay. was my age group i think i was eight at the time and i think i came second last as you um, should on the first competition, yeah yeah right? <laughs> yeah and then next the the following year um i guess i was at the top of my age group then and i managed to do pretty well in that local competition and then you get through to like the national competition um, yeah. and i actually managed to come third in the national competition not uh, bad yeah so there was like a there was like a big jump or step up i don't know how or i don't know why uh but i think like i, th I remember sort of thinking when i was like age nine like oh yeah like I, it's going well like, yeah i must be like all right at that I sort of come third in in the uk somehow i don't know how um and yeah yeah i guess it's kind of like gone in waves since then like of doing other sports and also doing climbing and kind of being interested in climbing and then not so interested and interested and yeah, yeah. going through the team school years. in between probably yeah exactly yeah 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 with with, with school and would you say you are a, a like built to be a climber in in my body shape or yeah oh, that's a really interesting question actually because there's so many different shapes of climbers isn't there like yeah yeah for days. sure yeah you get like the tall, more lean climbers like Adam, for example, and then you have like the the bigger, shorter climbers like Magnus, uh, and yeah. then you have like the tall, bigger climbers like Sharma as well, and they're all like really good climbers, but all different body shapes. Yeah, um, so it's an interesting question. I think because there's so many different styles of climbing, I think uh, the body shape of a climber can fit a style, you know. Yeah, a bit like athletics, where the body style sort of dominates the event you're good at. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I'm not really. I, I, I'm a pretty average, generic body type. You know, I'm how tall like, are you? Uh, I'm five nine and a half. It's not or, too tall. Yeah, or like one seven seven, I think, or yeah, one seven eight. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not like not like massively tall. Yeah, I'm seventy kilos. That's light. Is it? Yeah. Well, I'm 183, so I'm six one, and I'm yeah. well over two ten pounds. Two. Oh, I don't know pounds. So that I'm uh, 96 kilos or something. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm heavy. I know it's a uh, gym heavy, but it's. I would you say that the sort of the the climbers in general they don't really go that far above 180, do they? Oh, in height. Um, yeah. Adam's not pretty really. tall. Yeah, Adam's pretty tall. Um, but I think in general, I mean, it depends what you're doing. Yeah. If you're looking at like the sport climbers and the boulders, yeah, I would say in general, they're like my height or below and also weigh a little bit less. Those people who are really at the top of that, yeah, that, that elite level. Yeah. I think if you move into more of the, the trad climbing, adventure side of climbing, you, you need a bit more, you get, need a bit more in reserve, I think. Yeah. like uh, a bit maybe like a little bit more kind of bulk and stuff um, fair enough yeah yeah 
Well, that's, that's actually something I was going to um, uh, ask about later. But is is there such a way, such a um, what the differentiating factor really is? Because at the elite level, uh, whether you're talking about Adam or like the the Olympic guys or whatever, everybody trains hard. Everybody is dieting hard. Everybody is doing crazy things. What makes what makes the best climbers the best? What what is the differentiating factor there? Oh, what makes the best climbers the best? I think it's consistency and hard work and determination, but but those things over a very long time. It's like it's doing it consistently over 10 years, 15 yeah. years, 20 years. It's not I feel like anybody can just put like a dedicated amount of effort over one year but to be able to do it over a, a long period of time and just consistently grind it out over a 10 year period or 15 year period then i think that's what separates like the, the, the very best from yeah. the best you know it's funny um, you say it actually that way because the um, uh, magnus is now doing a series with adam in the czech republic and they talked about this as well and adam mentioned that he trained for silence for like four years in a row or something uh, just to be able to make the moves stick and combine the moves. And he was like, yeah, after a year, I'm not ready. After two years, I clearly wasn't ready either. And it's that prolonged effort in the end that made him climb the whole route. Yeah. And he said as well, it's like, yeah, everybody can put in a year of work, but to do it on a consistently year to year basis in order to progress those little bits at the end, that's the trick. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think, um, just putting those little bit of extra effort into, um, each session as well yeah like because if you if you have what like five sessions a week for example but then on every one of those sessions you do one or two percent more that's than, it that adds up then the yeah then the climbers which are slightly not as good then that two percent over 10 years is going to really add up and again that that's what makes the difference yeah um is there a talent factor involved as well because i can see for example if you play tennis there is a, a, like, if you look at Federer, for example, there's a feel and a touch that he naturally has with the ball, right? And obviously it's a lot of hard work after that part, but he, you can see that there's a natural gift, uh, the way he uses the racket and the ball. Is there such a talent in climbing as well? Uh, I think so, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like the, to make the very best, I think you have to mix all that hard work and determination and and it has to be mixed with i think there definitely is some like natural talent type thing within any sport because with your like um uh, uh what do you call it Phys physiolo phys physiology. physiology yeah physiology like you know how, how you're made up whether you're a strength-based person an endurance-based person that type. Yeah. So for me i'm like a very endurance-based athlete like my, like my strength and power is much worse than my endurance side of climbing um and also there's like the movement types of things you know some people are just have a more knack for being able to move or feel or know where know where to go yeah hands and feet are and and that kind of stuff um and just yeah some people's it's, it's like some people just have a mathematics mind don't they that's and true some people yeah. have like a sporting body i, I yeah. think it's just people are made up differently so i think it definitely plays a part for sure that makes sense yeah so you started as a kid you're 20 years down the road now talk me to uh, a normal day in your life how does that look like 
Oh, it really depends what I'm doing. So at, at the moment, I'm like on a bit of a, uh, like a down period, usually towards the end of the year, like end of November to in, into December. Yeah, it's a bit more like projects are finished. Projects are, yeah, they're, they're kind of done. And I'm usually like a bit more tapering off and relaxing. Um, I've kind of learned over the years that it's good to have a period in the year to do that. Because in the past, what I've done is like I've finished projects and then I've just like carried on really hard and, uh, and I've made myself ill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, now, like at the moment, I'm on like a, a bit of a down period. So for, for me, that's uh, I'm doing like quite a lot of work on the business um, and putting a lot of effort into that. Um, but at the same time, just like staying, not like specifically training for anything, but staying on top of the training so that I'm in shape for when I need to train hard and put in the effort for the next yeah, project. Yeah. So, so you don't need a month before you can get into shape to train for another month. Yeah, exactly. That exactly. Makes sense. So that's what I always try and do, like stay within reasonable shape. So when I have to start training, then I can just like put the effort in straight away. But I don't want to say stay in shape. Is that, does that mean six sessions a week or 20 sessions a week? Or what do I need to think about? Uh, usually it's probably like, three to five that's not bad yeah 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 or, or, th or three three to five days of doing something yeah usually usually like in this period of time whereas if i was like really um going for it and training i could do like 10 days on for example wow um but then but then like take take a, a day or two a rest yeah yeah well because you, your body at some point will just be like nope yeah 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 um so Fair enough. So that's not too bad then at the moment. How does that? Yeah, it's it's like nice to relax. <laughs> is so. uh, would you say that it's? Uh, I mean, obviously it's a part of a, of your life, but is it also a lifestyle? Um, is in how do you mean like a? Well, if you look at um, I don't know any given sport athlete that there's food involved, there's training, there's recovery, there's massages, there's therapies, there's all kinds of things sort of around the sport in order to facilitate the sport in general uh, is that the case for you as well um i mean i don't have like a sporting team around me no uh, like some of the other top kind of olympic athletes do i mean it's just it's just me <laughs> but <laughs> just I, I yeah yeah you know but i have the i have the people that i see and go to to for like like you say for like recovery and stuff like that you know um so generally, like if, if I feel like I need to have some kind of sports massage or little tweaks or niggles looked at or things like that, then I, I have the people that I know that I've been going to for, you know, a good number of years, which I can rely on to help me. Um, That's nice. Yeah. But it's not like you have um, like a regiment, like, okay, Monday is massage and recovery, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, climbing, and then I'm seeing the dietitian on Friday to tweak the diet. It's, it's not like that. No, I definitely don't have that. No, no, no. And also when I'm, um, when I'm doing like the harder type of training, my, my structure isn't very structured in a way. I, I, I do it like quite a lot on how I feel. So, uh, which is probably very different to maybe a lot of top athletes, but I sort of like, okay, if I want to do 10 days of training in a row and that's what I've feel like doing and my body's feeling good then that's what i'll do whereas if i'm feeling like pretty broken then okay yeah i'll have like three or four 
days off or whatever it might be. Um, and I just do it on like how I feel and motivation. And if I am training really hard for a project, then I'm going to be really motivated. So I t- tend to like smash it. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, yeah. Do you think there's any performance lost in that approach? Because it sounds like a very nice approach and there's a lot to be said for it. But if, if you would work with like a dietitian that tells you what to eat every meal and a physio that tells you when to train and how to train and a performance coach that, that measures your whatever grip strength, do you think you would become a better athlete that way or not? Uh, I think I'd be- probably become a better athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Would you yeah. be happier? Like, probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. Um, uh, I mean, I, I like the, the, the way I do things now and I'm kind of happy with my performance and level and climbing um, for the things and projects that, that I want to do. I mean, if there was something much, much harder that I wanted to do, I could see having that structure and having some other people involved, then I would definitely make some more improvements for sure. Um, but like, that's, that's not like where my motivation is. And um, I don't, my projects that I have, I don't think are necessary for that. No. So, um, yeah. Well, plus you're like, when I look at your YouTube videos, for example, it's, it seems like that the, there's a very high fun factor when you and Tom make the videos together, you're just trying out weird stuff, like pulling a car on a hand jam. That's just cool. And I'm pretty sure that no performance coach would ever allow that in any kind of training program that you just, Oh, let's see if we can pull a two ton truck. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, th- those videos are, uh, in general, just like very fun things. Um, and like you say, yeah, maybe if I did have some, uh, coach and was knuckled down a little bit more than <laughs> that stuff wouldn't be happening. No, but, but I, I, I mean, there's you know, I, I said for that fun factor to be so great having, having really a genuine good time, it seems. So when I look at your videos, I think that the feel that comes across to me, at least, is that the fun factor is really important and that you're, the way you approach your projects and, and the things you do has to be fun and cool and original rather than I'm looking for the absolute maximum performance that I can get out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could say that. But I am still always looking at the, the absolute maximum performance, but, but also like the fun as well like i do want to have fun it's got to be like the journey's got to be fun you know yeah exactly but but you also at the end of the day you do also want to perform it's like it's also not that fun to not be performing you know no i agree but it's it, that's probably um, something that goes hand in hand right because when you did the video with um uh the 9c test where you did all the people what people normally do on a bar you did it with a hand jam Oh yeah. And you hang weights of yourself and everything. I mean, clearly that's a performance based video, right? Uh, Cause you're, you're looking for to get numbers on the, on the board, but it's still like the fun factor beneath it is still so high. Like you're having a genuinely good time making that kind of video. And mm. then of course the performance is important, but it's, it seems that it's secondary to the fun that you're having with Tom in that video. I'm not sure whether fun is first or performance is first. It depends it, on the project. If you make, if, if we're making videos, then definitely fun is before performance. But yeah. If you're, if you're like on a like a reasonably more serious project which you've been working towards then the journey to get there has got to be f- fun 
but I think the performance at the end is also really important. There's a performance to be made, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, fun and performance are probably like, they go hand in hand on They go hand in hand, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. For making YouTube videos, that's like just pure fun. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Would, would you agree that you're generally considered one of the, if not the best crack climber in the world? Um, I, I guess people maybe perceive perceive me as that. Um, I'd say I'm a, a well-rounded crack climber, you know? Um, yeah. So there's a lot of very good crack climbers but i'm not sure what they've done across the whole spectrum in a way you know in the whole different size range yeah. um i feel like i feel like i've got a good you know a broad range of skills from the, the very narrowest um yeah. to the very widest and sort of climb some of the well or the or some of the hardest ones uh, across those whole ranges so um, do you feel that you have anything sort of, I wouldn't say to prove, it's maybe not the right way to put it, but does that bring any sort of pressure to perform? Uh, when I'm crack climbing or? Yeah. Um, what, what, like if I'm climbing outside or climbing in the... Well, I'll give you an example. So you did a video with Magnus where you um, made quite a difficult crack problem. And he tried it as well. And obviously, Marcus is an uh, or Magnus is an amazing climber, but it's the the skill level between you and him is between in the crack climbing itself is is amazing as well to see. Um, so does that does that bring any additional pressure that when you do such a video that people sort of expect you to be amazing at it, or does that I sort think, of motivate? I, th you? I think people do ex like expect me probably to succeed because there's this sort of like. You know, that, you that's, I guess that's what we're known for, like crack climbing, yeah. me, me and Tom. So there probably is an expectation to succeed. Um, I'm not sure if there's any pressure there. I mean, especially not doing those videos, because, again, that's just like more of a, a, a fun thing, I would say. Yeah. Um, I think one time maybe I have felt some pressures when I was trying to do a route called recovery drink. Um, which is a, a difficult route out in Norway. Um, I, but I think it was mainly like pressure, pressure I put on myself mm. to, because I expected myself to succeed in maybe a shorter time than it actually took me. <laughs> um, so I think there was maybe some self pressure there because uh, I'd put a bunch of work into training for it. And then I went out and I, I didn't manage to do it in this like two to three week period. Okay. Or, have a, or something like that and I kind of felt like I was at the level where um, I should be able to do it like with my, my strength level um, and I put a lot of pressure on myself and I think that I think that actually affected my performance um, okay. and then I came back for uh, another season and um, I kind of like had a bit less expectations in a way and I sort of like oh, I knew how hard this was there was a bit less pressure and then I just did it really quickly like in the second session Nice. So, yeah, I think I, I think I put some like unwanted pressure on myself uh, for that route because like I knew I could, I knew I could do it, and I knew I was a good crack climber. But maybe I was just like, yeah, too too much <laughs> on myself. I think that's like one time I definitely have felt like a little bit of pressure. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So you're thirty now. How much longer are you going to be climbing? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I don't know. Hopefully for 
forever. Hopefully for <laughs> hopefully. Well, I think just for how, however long I'm, you know, keen for it and want to do it. I, I've always sort of said like, um, you know, if if I ever lose the the will to go climbing or or I don't really feel like going climbing, I'm not going to force myself to do it. No. You know, because then it just like becomes not something you want to do. Like mm-hmm. I just want to do things that I enjoy doing. Um, and I think if that if that time did ever come i think it'd be really difficult but i think you'd just have to be honest with yourself that oh no i don't actually i don't actually want to do climbing i want to go and do this thing for example yeah that makes sense like i'm not saying that will happen but i think you know i think that's something that is yeah you don't want to push yourself to do something you you don't want to do so uh, could you see yourself in in the same role as your parents were when you were a kid that i mean you're 30 so let's say in the next 10 years you have kids can you see yourself sort of passing on the torch that way? Yeah, I mean, if I was, I, I, I mean, I can see myself uh, still climbing in ten years. That's for sure. So, hopefully, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If if the if there were children, then uh, I could see my like. I'd love to be able to, you know, take them, take them out, and you know, pass on my passion or whatever. So, uh, whether they enjoy it, who knows? <laughs> that's the second question, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah, that's actually a nice bridge. Um, when I go climbing with my kid. He's eight, like I said. There is a ton of kids there. There are so many kids running around. And we had a, a local youth competition the other day, and there's just kids everywhere. It seems like climbing is a super popular sport these days. You see it that way too? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's got like way, way bigger than, uh, you know, when I started climbing. I mean, I feel like when I was going to the war when I was eight, nine, ten, there weren't really that many other uh, kids. And there weren't really that many others that were climbing at a, a kind of slightly higher level. Whereas mm-hmm. nowadays you go to the war and it's like, oh my God, there's, there's kids everywhere and they're all amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's <laughs> yeah. so frustrating almost uh, to see them climb when they're so yeah. strong at that age. Yeah, and uh, I think just the, the amount of new facilities and gyms that are opening, it just gives that it gives the facilities for for people to be able to try and uh, and do these things and also the facilities are way better than they were 20 years ago yeah there's like sure. there's actual kids sections to climbing gyms um, yeah. and like down the the road at the climbing works they have a whole uh, actual climbing wall it's called, called the mini works and it's just for kids and there's like specific kids set problems so you know it can still be difficult climbing but it's within you know reaches for for their height and stuff yeah um, so they can actually climb problems which are set for them and yeah just like the facilities problems and everything are, are way better so uh, i think that's why it's growing in that way as well what do you think makes it so fun do you think i personally i think it's the accessibility i mean all kids climb or let's say most kids climb in trees and everything else and you know you have a wall with actual grips on it cool let's go what do you what are some other things you think make climbing so uh, suitable for kids as well um I, was, I think bouldering is probably really fun because it's just like just like playing around isn't it and you have like squishy mats underneath yeah and you can just do a bit of climbing jump off roll around have exactly. some fun just like kids just love doing that don't they just it's it maybe is they're not really necessarily thinking it um as climbing it's no. just like doing something fun and just like jumping off and messing about with your mates you know <laughs> I, I, th- yeah, sure. I, I think that's what it like anything with like squidgy mats and things where you can just like 
I don't know, jump off and do some flips or I don't know, things like that, you know, it's probably just fun for them and scramble up things. And yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's that plus the fact uh, that they're so strong for their size. That yeah. it's, it's probably relatively easy for a six, seven, eight year old to start just pulling on things and stepping on things because they're so light and still yeah. so strong at the same time. Yeah. 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 Nice. Do you think the, um, um, the future is bright? In, in, in those terms that climbing is a sport with a lot of growth potential in the years to come because there's so much interest from kids. Yeah, I think so. And I think climbing is like a, still a pretty young sport as well. Yeah. Not young as in the people who are doing it, but young as in... Um, uh, it's a like relatively newly discovered from. sport. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's a lot of potential in uh, the training side of things. Uh, if, you look, if you sort of like look at athletics, for example, which has been going for many hundreds of years yeah in that sense then that's built up to be uh like like a much higher level uh they've they've had many years to see and develop what training works best and all that kind of stuff whereas climbing is pretty new really it's only maybe the last 30 years for example uh and we're still going through that development and i i think there's going to be way more potential to improve um yeah so i think it's a young sport and yeah the future is like people are just going to get really really good at climbing like in the next 20 years definitely do you think we're at the beginning of that cycle where um more facilities attract more youth uh attract more people more money sponsors and all that stuff is are we just at the beginning of that sort of exponential cycle I think so, because it's only really in the last, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess back in the 90s, there were some top climbers who were who were getting that sort of sponsorship um, and brand deals and stuff like that. But today it's much, it's definitely much um, broader. There's more people uh, being able to get those sort of like deals and we're sort of like break i think climbing is breaking into more mainstream yeah for type sure. things uh like athletes being sponsored by brands that have absolutely nothing to do with um climbing no uh, and it's kind of going the way of those other sports like skiing mountain bike those other kind of adventure sports i think Excuse they're course, yeah. i think they're a little bit ahead of climbing in terms of that money sponsorship facilities maybe i think climbing is maybe five to ten years behind those yeah um i think yeah well it's it's interesting because when i look at the um, the world cup events for example but also the olympic events like it's a very it's a it's a fascinating sport to watch to begin with but it's also a very suitable sport for tv for social media it's it's very because it happens in one spot and you can have amazing camera angles or you can just put a GoPro on a grip and watch people climb up. There's so much to do. I think it's a very sort of friendly sport to for viewers. And even if you don't know anything about climbing, you, you can conceptualize that it's pretty amazing if you climb, you know, upside down on a, on a wall with one finger and, and your feet in a crack. And I think that is an appealing concept in general for the audience and therefore for sponsors as well. Yeah, I think so. And also like the style of setting that has come through in the last five to 10 years has developed into a much more um, 
audience friendly style of climbing you know yeah. with these i mean maybe some of the the top climbers don't really like the the style of setting with the the jumpy parkour types of dinos yeah yeah but like for an audience perspective watching it like that's what's gonna make the sport grow because it's it's way more interesting than watching somebody just like yeah, slowly climb up a hill yeah. yeah that you don't really have any perception of whereas you see somebody like hanging by their feet and jumping and doing all that running around and yeah like you say catching some mono or something you know it's, yeah, it's like cool. easy to understand that it looks cool yeah um and yeah it's just like very audience friendly i think so uh, and i think it's the same i mean it can definitely be seen in bouldering but i think from watching the lead climbing as well recently i think they've really developed that in the last 10 years as well uh, with the style of setting and it's more it seems like it's more boulder problems stacked on top of one yeah. another in interesting type boulder problems stacked on top of one another so even the lead climbing which i used to find a bit boring to watch it's much it's much quicker um the athletes aren't on the wall for quite as long they yeah. have that six minute time limit to get to the top so they're always having to move and i just think yeah it's way more audience friendly it looks good on the wall with like these big volumes and the shapes look good um it's just yeah it's much more fun to watch um yeah i, I mean i i found myself in recent years really enjoying watching the competitions whereas previously they didn't really interest me that much no um, and more and more uh usage of uh, crack volumes as well these days there is more slowly we're getting there yeah does that excite <laughs> yeah. you yeah for sure yeah definitely i mean i think crack climbing is uh it's a massive part of climbing um, it should be yeah i mean i mean it is if you take any trad climbing outdoors then you know where you place gear is where the cracks are and Pretty much. you know well, yeah where and where that gear can go then there's potential jams really so um i, I yeah i think it's a massive part of of climbing which people have maybe slightly underestimated in in, in previous years or it just hasn't really come through to the to the other side of climbing that sort of competition side of climbing um, do you think it will well it's starting to come through definitely now um, yeah but if they if i look at the the crack volumes that they use now it's it's like it's it's relatively small and obviously it has to be small in the boulder problem right but do you see like where we had the trend up until now where it like you said before becomes a lot more parkour where they do a lot of dyno jumps and then there's one grip can you see it transitioning from there also to uh, like a, a more focused on on those specific uh, crack techniques for example uh yeah I, I can see that i think the the real key thing with um, the crack climbing in these competitions is actually education mm. um to the people who are setting these problems uh, because <clears throat> a lot of the setters might not actually have the tools or knowledge themselves to be able to set something and actually know if it works yeah um because there's so many yeah there's so many techniques in in crack climbing and so many options um like they've literally like at the moment it's it's really just been like a couple of foot jams and a and a, and a few hand jams because that's what the setters know yeah whereas that's just like not even scratching the surface of what crack climbing is 
and like uh, the options that are available. Like I think with bringing cracks to competitions, if setters knew the the techniques and potential, I think that cracks has the the sort of um, the ability to draw an audience in as much as that whole parkour style of climbing. I think with the range of different movements um, that there are in crack climbing. Yeah. And it's something totally new as well. So yeah, I was I just going to say, because it, it requires a completely new discipline from the climbers themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's also the thing, like the setters are maybe a little bit scared to set potential cracks because Oh, the athletes at the moment don't really know how to crack climb and it could be a bit of a disaster and everybody falls off at yeah. the exact same move and it's not good know, for the competition. Kind of yeah, and it's not good for the competition. Um, but I think we're getting there and I think slowly and slowly, I think it's just going to take time, like like lots of time, lots of education, um, and then it will get there. Uh, and I think they'll just become more and more apparent in competitions. And I think eventually people will come to realise that Oh, there are some pretty amazing moves and yeah. amazing techniques and things that you can do in crack climbing, which is very audience friendly um, and could make some really good uh, competition style moves. Do you think it makes more sense to integrate it into the boulder competition or the lead climbing competition? Because I can imagine a boulder problem is too short to have like a proper uh, crack section in it. But uh, if you do a full lead, uh, competition like you said which is effectively a bunch of boulder problems stacked on top of each other that you do in a middle section that is purely crack for example yeah although i don't think it's like i don't think you'd necessarily want to put like a huge crack in the middle of something i think no. it's just no nah, i think it's like bringing crack techniques into boulder problems and roots i don't think you'd ever want to see like ah, oh, one quarter of this route is a crack i think you want to see those techniques incorporated into uh, the climb because like like when you're watching boulder competitions you feel like they have um they have lots of different styles across the boulder. you know they usually have a slab that are a bit of vert something coordination something powerful and i think you want to have you know something like a little bit cracky or crack type move you know yeah. within that within the whole genre because i feel like the competition climbers it's like the the, it's like to define the best climber so they should have all-round skills you know best all-round climber so, yeah 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 so you don't want to be putting like you know half the route as like a massive crack i don't think that's the way to go <laughs> no. i think it's just like bringing those techniques into something so i think it works really well with bouldering as well um, okay yeah yeah a few uh, a few years ago before covid we we did a competition called crack fest yeah um and that was like a whole competition with a bouldering competition which just incorporated crack style moves into boulder problems from everywhere from v0 to like v9 um and it worked really well people absolutely loved it and yeah it was just like a great event is that a that's actually an interesting uh thing you mentioned that people loved it a lot is it often when you sort of i imagine you often introduce people to crack climbing in general is there sort of a like a, an amazement like oh that's actually pretty cool or is it often also like oh, no i'll stick to just hanging you know what i've never often people can be like oh, no i'm not keen for that or oh, I, don't, I don't know about that or oh it seems really hard but yeah. actually when i've never 
I've never spent a bit of time with somebody and done some crack climbing and then at the end they've gone no no I'm not really keen for that there's, there's always been I feel like everybody's always had something positive to take away from it or they've learned something new or they've kind of they've seen the light you know yeah, 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 like yeah. oh yeah like this you know this is a thing or I can do it it's not painful when you know what to do like all these kind of things so um yeah I've never really had there's never really been that much negativity once I've spent or me and Tom have spent some time with people doing some crack climbing. That's cool. Always, it's always felt pretty positive actually. So yeah, that's a good sign. I think. I think so yeah. too. Yeah. 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 Is there, um, before we switch to the business part of what you do, is there, um, like some kind of coaching in your future or how do you see that developing? Um, I mean, we've done a whole bunch of crack climbing coaching um in in the past but i don't yeah i'm not like massively interested in in coaching i've done bits and bobs of it but it's not really a direction that uh i'm like particularly interested in taking obviously tom's gone down a really heavy coaching route with with his other company lattice training yeah um but i wouldn't say it's yeah it's not like massively my passion of where i want to go so okay well where you do want to go is obviously the white boys business how did that uh, happen yeah that that started actually through doing crack school workshops with one of my sponsors wild country yeah uh, so they organized a bunch of yeah like workshops where me and tom taught hand jamming fist jamming thin hand jamming a bit of off with thing and these were just uh, we workshops traveled. in gyms yeah, in gyms, yeah. yeah, in different gyms around the UK. And we did a little tour uh, of like 10 different gyms over two or three winter seasons over nice. three years. And uh, and then Wild Country stopped doing it and me and Tom kind of saw the potential or it had gone really well. And we just decided to kind of carry it on ourselves. Um, and then we built some volumes for it. And then off the back of that, we were sort of like, oh, we have these volumes, we have these workshops, maybe we can start selling these volumes. And then it, I guess it kind of just grew from there, you know. Um, and then we, we we brought somebody else on board um, who it's me and Mark, who are directors um, of White Boys now. Um, and yeah, we just kind of grew it from there. So started with the crack schools, the crack volumes, and then we've just gradually you know, added other little bits and bobs to the, the business and other products. And I guess we've been going properly since 2017 now, selling the crack volume. So four years, I think we're not we're bad. Now. So, yeah, yeah. And considering what we uh, talked about earlier, the, the crack uh, area of climbing is slowly gaining popularity. I would say that it's a good development for the business too, then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Do you see that in the business as well, that the popularity has grown? Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's, I feel like it's a mixture um, to, for us maybe pushing it a little bit, mm -hmm. but then also like the community and people then getting psyched for it and also pushing it themselves in their communities and at their climbing walls. Um, and then also seeing like a few cracks pop up in the international competitions because 
I feel like the international competitions are the are the pinnacle of what gym root setters look to for inspiration yeah. in a way. And then they see like, oh my God, there's there's a crack in this competition. We need to set a crack at our wall or whatever that might be. And then you know, one gym sees a crack at that wall and then they're like, hmm, like they're setting a crack or oh, they have some wide boys volumes or like whatever it might be. Like I've definitely seen it in in Norway, for example, where the climbing community is relatively small. Mm-hmm. Um, we've sold we sold a number of volumes to some gyms and then I think other gyms saw that those gyms had them and then yeah, yeah, yeah. they it's wanted some effect. and it was like a little chain and then suddenly we had like lots of orders from Norway <laughs> nice. uh, for like for like crack volumes and stuff so yeah. are you seen as is is white boys the place to go to when you want crack volumes well there isn't yeah there isn't really anybody else doing Speed. crack crack climbing holds i mean other companies make volumes uh which can be used as cracks fair enough um, but i would say our volumes are really the only ones that are are kind of tailored to cracks you know we've really gone down the route of trying to make the the volumes and the holds specifically for jamming so yeah. the inner material the new ones that we have the inner material is shaped so it like fits hand jams and fist jams and it's also like a bit softer we have this like soft grip pro inside it so you don't have to tape up and it's like comfortable you know we want to make it like a good experience because yeah, that's accessible. what you want when you go climbing indoors accessible to people yeah um because what you don't want is to be like jamming against normal volume material and it just no. like shreds your hands up and then people come away with, you know, that's just not a good experience for people. No, I can imagine. Is that yeah. also part of, I mean, obviously the, um, the normal volumes have been around for 500 years, but is, is being an important player in the crack volume business, but also acknowledging that the crack volume is still an up and coming part of the business is it also important that you take those kind of things into consideration? Like we're not just hardcore for the, you know, the full on enthusiasts, but we want to be accessible for kids and we want to be accessible for everybody to, you know, experience this part of the climbing. Is that an important consideration? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's always what we're considering. Like it's not about producing something for the hardcore crack climbers. No, um, that's five people. Like, probably. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's about producing something um, that's going to like making a product that's going to be able to get, yeah, like you say, exactly. Like the the people who have never even been to the gym, or the you, you the kids, the beginners, like those kinds of people coming in. You, you just want them to have a good experience. Yeah, from the, from so, the word go. Yeah, from the word go. So it's being able to like provide that for those people. Um, yeah. Talk me through how that goes. So you obviously you know your crack climbing. So does Tom. And then you sit down and you're like, okay, we got to make. A product here how, do, how does that process go uh i think i mean the the initial idea of uh, the the crack volume and how we wanted it to be i mean we went through a whole different bunch of prototypes but in the end we just came to the i think it just came down to the fact of okay what what do people if you do a lot of crack crack, crack climbing sort of like what happens to you hands for example and it's sort of like oh you end up getting pressure wounds uh, and you end up getting scrapes on your hands so like those are the things we wanted to eliminate Um, and the you know the way to eliminate that was to have you know a slightly soft material um not so like textured enough so there was enough grip but not too textured so 
if you slipped or made a mistake with the technique, then you would end up like ripping skin. Yeah. Um, and we just developed it from there, you know. Um, for, for us, like the, the main thing was like that material inside the volume because anybody can make a crack volume. Like anybody can make like the shape of it. It's, it's really not difficult. It's like, no, you know, you can, like anybody can make the shape of a volume, but making like a crack volume, which is actually nice to climb on, that's the difficult thing. And that all comes down to this material inside. Is that your USB then as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, is there, because um, you, you sell a bunch of crack volumes now, is, what's, what's next? Is there like more different shapes and sizes in the pipeline or how do I have to imagine that? Yeah, so we have, uh, we've kind of moved, we had like a um, product one, like our first uh, crack volume and that was That's like- the, the black one, right? Or the brown yeah, one? Yeah, the black, the black and white one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, black outer, white inner. Yeah. Uh, but we've moved away from that now um, and we've got a different new inner material, which is like shaped differently, um, like a bit kinder on the skin. That's the uh, green volume. Like, they're the green volumes. Yeah. So the inner of that is different and it's also, it's kind of separate from the, the outer. So we have two parts to it. It's like a fiberglass shell and then the inner part. And this inner part is sort of like flexible. So we can, we can basically mold it and shape it into different fiberglass shapes, if okay. that makes sense. So, um, so I can see the way it would go or how, how we've planned it by doing this is that we'll go down the more modern route of um, style of hold and try and fit in with those more modern kind of ergonomic shapes of styles and be able to apply uh, unique soft grip material into different shapes of cracks. So we'll be able to make, you know, like flared cracks, shaped cracks, these kind of things. And we'll be able to have that material inside by going down this route of um, the more modern fiberglass style of hold now. That's actually pretty so cool because then yeah. effectively there's no limit to the shape of the crack you can make. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so like the, the ones that you see at the moment, the green ones um, that are, are on our website, uh, like that's just kind of shape one, you know? shape yeah. one of the new version but i feel like in one to two years time we'll have you know shape one shape two shape three um and we'll, we'll start get, to get a range of of cracks so yeah we'll have like flares and curves and this kind of stuff so that's, that's cool the, that that's the idea yeah. well that actually makes sense with what you said earlier that it's it makes uh from from a, a route setting perspective it makes more sense to not have an entire section that's only cracks but to have a grip in the route that is a crack grip and if you can yeah. do this with the fiberglass and the new inner material then you can actually facilitate that as well yeah yeah that's the idea yeah yeah to be able to bring like crack climbing moves and be able to incorporate them into other styles of climbing that almost yeah. makes business sense yeah 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 because i mean it's, ne it's never really like you get a a problem at the climbing wall that is a complete parkour style run and jump it's usually like one move of that and then into something else yeah and then into true. heel hook and whatever so i feel like that's what you want to do with crack climbing at, at, at the climbing wall that makes sense yeah uh, you also provide a an entire wall oh yeah 
Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. we should we sell that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a that was a totally different uh, project. To, uh, really, aside from crack climbing, actually. But that was like a, a home wall, freestanding wall type thing, um, and that just came about from uh, a friend and a, an engineer who had designed something, and we kind of teamed up and um, kind of did it through the business, and yeah collaborated in in that sense so do you have one at home i don't have one no no no, no? i don't no, no no you don't have the uh, adam andra uh, room of uh of pain in pain. your own house <laughs> no i've got some fingerboards and uh and and uh and a crack below the fingerboard okay but uh yeah but i don't i don't have a wall no no is that uh in the years to come when the business takes off what to have to have a wall yeah or if I could fit a wall in my house, I'd have one, <laughs> but I, I, I really don't have room. Yeah. 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 I'm at the point now where I have to have actual discussions with my eight year old on why I am not implementing an entire wall in his kid's room yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think we'll get there at some point. Do you, do you reckon that is um, something for the future where, I mean, you sell a, like a pretty much a ready to climb wall. Uh, do you think that's something that will become more and more um, sort of cheaper and more available to more people? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's definitely become, especially with like COVID and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. it, it got really popular for people to have their, their Because effectively walls. you need a garage and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's coming, like I feel like climbing is obviously going down the, uh, the, the way of whatever skiing mountain biking these these types of things where people want their own little thing to be able to you know have at their house and train on they don't necessarily need to go to the the gym or whatever no. it is um, and it's it's a nice step beyond i mean the fingerboard's great obviously but it's there's only so much hanging you can do in the end but having a wall in your garage at a relatively low price i mean it doesn't your your wall is it's certainly not cheap uh, but if you look at a Peloton spinning bike, for example, that's a bike that does only one thing. That's already, whatever, 1,500 euros as well. So yeah. it's, it's not yeah. that unaccessible, right? No, I, yeah, I don't think so. If you look at it um, compared to these these other sports and stuff and people wanting to do sports, comparing a, like having a climbing wall in, in your garage or in your spare room um, compared to, you know, having like a, a nice mountain bike, I mean, they're not too far dissimilar no. in price, really. So, it's interesting you mentioned that actually with with COVID, especially people wanting to have more access to more things at home and not being dependent on on outside sources. Do you think that's um like a big business opportunity for you as well to facilitate those kind of things? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely was um, at the time when uh, COVID hit. We we noticed it that people were buying just single crack units off us for like their home war and stuff yeah. like that like people wanted training devices and things for home because that's where they were um, and they obviously couldn't get to the gym i mean it was a, like a i feel like it was a really big business opportunity that period for yeah. uh, companies like that and home training devices and and all that stuff like makes yeah, sense I think, I think people were jumping on it <laughs> as quickly as they could so when we started, you mentioned that this is what you do. You're a professional climber and you run the, the business. So obviously you can live of it. 
where do you see the future of your business going? Is it is it more people? Is it more products? More more broader range of things you do? How do you see that developing in the years to come? Yeah, obviously, like definitely more products, um, and obviously, like being able to bring crack climbing to more people, mm. um, more shapes in the volumes, and yeah, just just growing it from here. Really, I feel like maybe within the next um, year or eighteen months. Uh, we're probably, I would have thought we'd probably have to bring somebody else on to sort of help us out with the growth of the business. At the That's moment, it really is, it really is just um, two of us. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, it's just me and Mark who, who run the, the day-to-day stuff um, and are, are just um, dealing with customers, shipping, like manufacturing, all that kind of stuff. Like it's just us two dealing with it. Um, you know, making YouTube videos, social media, like everything. Uh, so it, like it's pretty busy and then like mixing that in with training and projects and like girlfriend my, yeah and like all all the all the other stuff is like yeah it's pretty um it's pretty busy i would say uh so yeah hopefully it'll just keep keep growing from there we can bring some other people on you know spread the load a little bit and yeah we'll, we'll see 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 where it takes us uh, nice is it an exciting future yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm pretty excited about it because I mean, I I love doing it. Uh, obviously, because I, I love climbing and I love crack climbing, uh, and I love working really hard as well. So uh, it, it's kind of like all those things, and it's something here you, you're just like passionate about. So I I wake up each morning and I'm psyched to like get on with stuff, whatever it is. You know, if it's something with the business or helping a customer out or uh like even if it's something not nothing to do with the business like you know going training or going crack climbing it's all just like to do with climbing and crack climbing which i love at the moment so uh for the people that are just listening i can see you start to smile as you 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 say that it's cool it's nice it it shows the the passion and the joy you have for it yeah 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 and I, i think it's really nice um i've really seen it over the last like three to four years of so many other people um just getting really psyched for uh crack climbing and um being able to bring that style of climbing to that their own climbing and how it's helped them improve their grade and their trad climbing um and just from doing the social media through wide boys and all the messages uh, like dms that we get and people sending us little pictures of their crack basements and uh like projects that they've done or whatever it's just like it's really good. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great that people are taking it on board and getting psyched. So, Do you think that's a, a thing in general for the climbing community? Because I notice it when I'm climbing with my kid as well. Uh, there's like complete strangers that are helping him out on a route. They're like, oh, no, you should match this grip or you should try your foot over there. People that I've never met before, people that I probably never see again. But everybody seems at least super friendly, super approachable. It's It's, it's like a very... Chill vibe is not the right word, but it's it's a very friendly vibe overall. Uh, do you think that also helps in general for uh, for things like exactly what you do? People are are excited about it, but also friendly about it. They're not they're not going to your videos just to you know make mean comments and spam you with nonsense. It's it's a very yeah. positive vibe in general. Yeah, for sure, and I think that's uh, to be said for the whole climbing community yeah. in a way. I mean, like uh, I I've done a reasonable amount of traveling and, you know, gone to different places, met new climbers, people, communities and stuff. And 
I've never really like come across that much negativity, you know. No. Um, everybody's always like always willing to help out, show you show you things, show you beta, sort of like even just let you stay on a sofa like for, for a night or whatever it might be. I think the climbing community in general across the world is like a really good place, I would say. Yeah. I haven't experienced. Do you think that'll change as the know. as the sport grows? Money? Oh, I don't know. Um, I hope usually not. when, when the, the, the stakes get higher, the mm. friendliness drops, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, I mean, you'd... Yeah. You'd hope not. I don't know. Maybe like the whole friendliness will just carry on through. You know, I'm not sure. Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, maybe at the top level that'll change, but I, I don't think in your local bouldering gym, the friendly people are not going to go away because there's some somehow money involved in the. Other yeah, level. yeah, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. No. no. Well, and in the end, I mean, the the people we see on TV are the one percent anyway. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, like even the. Like the the top climbers nowadays, I don't feel like many of them or any of them have that sort of thing. Anyway, like they're all, this the people I've met, they're all they're all really decent people. Nice people. Good, yeah, good to hang out with, and yeah, yeah, yeah all, they're all very nice. So that's nice. Actually, it's one of the reasons I I really like that my kid chose chose yeah chose climbing as well because it's you know not only nice for me that it's indoors and I don't have to stand next to a soccer field in winter, but it, the, the vibe of people that are there are it's a, it's a very comfortable place to take your kid to yeah 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 and i always remember when i was a, a kid as well um like climbing and i was like 9 10 11 12 and uh it was always because there weren't actually that many kids climbing then really especially where i went to uh but always the the adults and the people that i were around were always really friendly and helpful to me as well even like 20 years ago you know um like always helping you with boulder problems, like helping you out, spotting you, giving you beta, giving you belays, whatever it might be, you know. And 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 these are people that are like thirty or forty. Um, yeah, exactly. Like helping out a 10, 11, 12 year old. So yeah, that's a good sign. If it was already there twenty years ago and it's still yeah, yeah, out, yeah. That's, that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice, um, cool. Where can people find you and your business? Um, so I guess yeah, there's two places. There's me, Pete Whitaker. Um, so you can find me. I think it's Pete Whitaker zero one, uh, like on Instagram and Facebook and that type of stuff. And then there's also the White Boys side of things, uh, and that's yeah, wide underscore boys <laughs> on Instagram uh, with with a Z. Yeah, yeah, with a Z. Um, yeah, on instagram and youtube and stuff like YouTube. that and yeah yeah the youtube we uh i've kind of got like pretty uh into it over since the start of covid i, I was doing it really um and i just enjoy making the little videos and we, we bring videos out every week so yeah people interested to watch them i will put uh, all the links to the white boys website youtube and instagram and to pete's personal stuff in the show notes of course um that's all the questions i had for today actually yeah Super cool. very nice that was actually, actually, that was actually a really really uh, interesting interview so thanks yeah yeah my pleasure it's really cool actually to see because obviously in in preparation for this i was uh, watching some videos of you yesterday and uh, this morning as well and it's it's kind of weird to see you on youtube and then see the face in uh, in the zoom screen right now yeah <laughs> kind of like it <laughs> and with that we come to the end of this episode of the long jump podcast 
Really cool to talk to Pete and listen to his ideas about climbing in general, where the industry is heading, and obviously what he is doing with his company, White Voice. Of course, you will find all the links to Pete's personal and business profiles, websites, and Instagram handles in the show notes. So definitely check him out if you are into climbing or if you're interested in doing anything with climbing, which I can certainly recommend. The content that he produces is quite cool. For now, thank you very much for listening, and I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Cheers.